Romans is the pinnacle of understanding what Christianity is all about. And many of us who have read it over and over again throughout the years that we have been reading scripture, and there are things that we just can't get our mind around. And that is perfectly natural, if I can put it that way, by the fact that our God is so large that how are we going to parse him out and understand who he is? But I think the more at least that I have uh, dived into Romans, and as I've confessed, this is the first time I've ever preached Romans, and so it was kind of intimidating. But as I've gotten into it, I have been incredibly blessed. And some of you have too, as you have given some responses back, and I hear what you have discovered and are discovering. And that's what's so exciting about the Word of God. Like we said in the very beginning, it's like a gold mine. In fact, it's a gold mine that others have gone in there and dug. And so they pulled out nuggets. But you know what? There's still more in there. There's more. And you know, it's not like we're coming up with new doctrines or new things, because we're not. I trust we're not. But some of the things that, you know, when I've searched in, in commentaries and all, they, they come real close, but they don't see what I see. And that doesn't make me a prophet or whatever. But there are things for us to apply to our own lives that are applicable, and we see it in the facet and light of our own life experience. And that's the way God is. Because when you look at nature, you discover, wow, how could all of this happen with the hues and the colors and the smells and the shapes and the sizes and the, the, just the incredibleness of God's creation. And it speaks, as we talked about in, in Romans chapter 1, that's where Paul began. He began with understanding that our God is so encompassing. And everyone is without excuse of not knowing who he is. And Yes, there have been people like Darwin and others like him who have said, no, it all just happened. Or it just was a big explosion. Or it was, it took billions of years for this to happen. And yet the word of God said it happened at his spoken word. And so we take faith in that. And not just faith, but you know what faith is? It's knowing. It's knowing. And not that you have all the answers, because we don't. But we have a God that is knowable and has revealed himself to us. And that's what we place our faith on.
And so I, I guess if it's any one thing that I've been blessed is to get a vision of who my God is in this study. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to learn. Paul has laid some foundations here in the first four chapters. And we're only going to cover five verses. Do you think I can do it in 30 minutes? Usually I take 20 verses. But this morning it's only five. It's just five small verses. But beginning in chapter four, uh, uh, the first four chapters, Paul is laying a foundation of our justification by faith, as a gift of God, by his grace. And now he moves deeper into his theology and his understanding of God's justification and his redemption of man. So those basics in chapters 1 to 4, Paul is building upon. And I see in these first five verses a pattern that I think that Jesus demonstrated in his life and coming as a man. I see in these first five verses that Paul is really talking about Jesus Christ and who he is. And we, as being those who are in Christ, as being like him, by the fact that we live in two worlds. The world that we see around us, the world of this flesh, and a spiritual world. Because he made us spiritual beings. Adam received the breath of God. And through his rib, Eve received the breath of God. Spirit life. That's what man is. He's a spirit being. Not just body and soul, but spirit as well. Made alive. And that's what we lost in Adam. We lost that. And we became dead spirits without Christ. And so he came and he lived in two worlds. He was God and man. And by the Holy Spirit, he was born to Mary. And he lived for 30 years before many who saw him, touched him, knew who he was. The God-man. The one who came to exemplify, to model, to show us what it was to return to the living God, the creator God. These five verses are like an outline. And that's what I've got as we, uh, let's, let's just read this passage. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, starting. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, 
knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is an outline, and I put it in outline form. I like to do this kind of thing uh, in my Bible, and I give you permission to mark your Bible and do this uh, likewise, to color it or put it in an outline form so that you can understand what all of this means. Take it apart. The Bible is holy, so some people think, oh, don't write in it. No, take it apart. Get in there and examine it. Just like you would take a specimen. No, my wife's shaking her head. Okay, don't go there. Take the word apart. Examine it. See what it's all about so that you can apply it to your life. Don't just, you know, you read your Bible early in the morning, right? Everybody does that? And your your mind is... Uh, read this before, I think. Hardly awake. So, you know, you really need some extra time when you're alive and wide awake to really dive into it and understand it. And don't rely on someone like myself, particularly not someone like myself, but dig in for yourself and understand what the Word of God says. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, that's the A point, because we have other points in this chapter that will be the B and C. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, that is what we learned in the first chapters of Romans, that we have been credited with righteousness. It wasn't anything on our part. It was that Jesus Christ came for us. He died on a cross. I should have been there. You should have been there, hanging there and taking that abuse. But we weren't worthy of it. We were not even a possibility or a candidate for hanging on a cross. There was only one as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And Jesus himself even told Nicodemus, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And so he was lifted up on a cross. And we, because of what he had done for us, God has said, because you trust in him by faith, by faith, knowing This is the way of God. This is the way to righteousness. It's not going to come by all the good works that you do. And that's what Paul also laid out in the first four chapters. None of us are worthy. None of us are perfect. None of us can measure up. We fall short of the glory of God. Where is that found? Romans 3, 23, 24 and 25. I'm not going to ask you to recite it, but you folks that are new here, our regular members know that those three verses. Right? Right. 
I was thinking of having you memorize these five verses because I think that these are just as key. Romans 5, 1 to 5 are just as key as Romans 3, 23, 24, and 25. So that's your homework. (laughs) By faith. It's been granted to us. It's like a credit card that won't quit. And I'm not describing mine. But God's is incredible. The riches that we have in Christ Jesus. And he gives it to us because we put our trust in him. We have come to the tree of life. And we received eternal life. And it's a gift from the Father. It's like Abraham sacrificing Isaac, which he didn't have to because a ram was provided. And God provided his own son, just as Abraham did. We have peace with God. We are not at war with God any longer if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. God's wrath against our sin. His wrath was meted out onto Jesus Christ. There's only one punishment for our sin, for anyone's sin. At least in the United States, you cannot be tried twice for the same crime. And we can't either as human beings. Someone has already taken that, the hit for us. And we are set free from the guilt that is ours. That is basic Christianity. It's not about works. It's not about how you're dressed when you come to church. It's not whether you do it every Sunday. It's not even about reading your Bible. It's not even about prayer. As far as those things that you think, well, if I become a Christian, I've got to go to church, I've got to read my Bible, I've got to pray, I've got to give the offering, I've got to uh, clean the church on Thursdays. And no, it's not even about that. It's not about works, is what Paul says. It's credited to us. And we don't even have to pay it back to the bank. Isn't that incredible? I wonder why American Express hasn't come up with a system like that. (laughs) You know what? We went through some of the offerings and the tabernacle and the Old Testament last year. Jesus brought peace between ourselves and God. And there was one special offering that the children of Israel were able to partake in, and that was the peace offering. The peace offering was quite like the other offerings, but the thing that was different about it is the one who offered that got to take it home with him and with his family because it was peace made before a righteous God with an unrighteous people. 
and there was peace. And that is what the peace offering is about, that we get to partake, we get to eat of that sacrifice. And at the end of this service, and we do this the first Sunday of every month, we'll have communion. And that is what we're picturing, where we, peace has been made for us, and we get to partake in it. He is our peace. We have peace with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access by faith. Paul still got in his head there, I think, in writing this, the tabernacle. He's talking about the way, the access. He's our high priest, and we are his people. And that is what the Old Testament is all about, is an access to a holy God. We come before a holy God boldly because we have the way opened up for us. That's his gift to us, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We talked about standing a few weeks ago, that really in the whole scope of our uh, being here on earth, Jesus said we will have tribulation, we will have trouble. And so there's many scriptures that say that we're in a spiritual warfare. And we often think of ourselves as being armored with all of the equipment of, of a warrior. And that is true. But one of the things that I have understood is that we're really not in an offensive mode as Christians here on earth. Let me explain. All of the armor that he has given us is for protection of us. Even the sword, that's mine. And if you come and touch me, I'll zap you with it. I'll let you have it. The word of God. Where is the word of God? Hopefully it's in our hearts and in our minds. It's not something we go out and we start slashing and cutting with it. The Bible is not for that purpose. And if you do, you're out of protocol for a Christian warrior. And you might think, well, we've got temples all around us here in Kichijoji. We need to go out and we need to just curse them and see them fall. No, we've had these kind of people come to, to Japan and say, that's what we need to do. We need to do spiritual warfare. And so they stood out even at the Yasukuni Shrine. In the name of Jesus! They've done it. I don't believe in that. I do not believe in that kind of spiritual warfare. And many of my friends are coming to believe that that is the wrong approach. Well, we need to be doing that is in secret with the Lord. 
fighting for our children in the schools, fighting for our husbands who are at work, fighting for those who every day are encountering spiritual darkness. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. And that sword and that equipment that we are given is to protect us from the onslaughts of the enemy who come at us. And what does he say? Stand, therefore, in the word firmly. Stand. Not run. Not run forward and hit someone. No, stand. And that's what he says here. Into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Paul talks about hope here. We rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as we look at hope, not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings knowing that. But first of all, we've got sufferings to deal with. We rejoice in sufferings. Actually, in some of your Bibles, it says tribulations, troubles, spiritual warfare. Those things that come at you constantly, day by day, as you walk as a Christian in your normal life. All of us face them. And those tribulations and sufferings come from without and also from within. But Paul says to us, rejoice in them. Another translation says, exalt. In other words, uh, in the Greek there, I think it means lift up your head as in boasting. It says boast. So lift up your head. Just walk through your sufferings. But I like the word rejoice because God fills our hearts with joy. And even though we've got a hard job like Aki does or any one of you have, we can be in joy. We can walk in joy because that's his life in us. Because that's what he did, Jesus. That's what he did on a daily basis. And we can do it too, in his power. Because knowing that suffering produces endurance. And so this whole process of what we're going through, of what Paul is talking about here, is really how to live the Christian life in this world that we're living in, as well as living with our hope in heaven. Suffering produces endurance. Another word for that is patience. Is God ever going to answer my request of this job is getting me down? This situation at home, I can't stand it any longer. Lord, Answer for me. I cry to you. Oh God, when will you answer? Read the Psalms. 
You know, David wasn't uh, a 100% victorious Christian. You read some of his, his uh, psalms. Oh God, why are you so far from me? He was a man like you and I. We feel the same way in our Christian lives. But suffering produces endurance, patience, and understanding that we have a God that can take care of the situation and knows the situation that we're in. He sees and understands what you are going through in your life right now. And endurance produces character. Character? Yes, by the fact that if you have gone through tough exercises, like a buff guy like James, and knows how to do cross fitness, man, you kind of bulk up, and you're able to do some incredible things. And those things are not in your own fleshly strength, but you become a spiritual guy like James. No, not the buff-looking guy, but even in his heart, this brother has learned how to endure through temptations and trials. To be able to have a walk that is sustainable by the fact that he's trusting in his Savior. Endurance produces character. And that's not a word that means that you're odd or strange. It means that you are a man of your word or a woman of your word or a child of your word. You're a person of integrity. What you see is what you get. It's not something just shamming and faking it. Fake it until you make it? No. No, that's not what the Christian life is about. It's about being real. A person of integrity. And character produces hope. Okay, we got to hope. What is it about hope? Well, Hope is really something that even we as Gentiles do not understand. Now, Mel's going to appreciate what I'm going to say here about, uh, because he's really into Hebrew. Okay, yes. This word hope in Greek, and I'm and I'm not a Greek scholar. I just turned to my interlinear, and it's right at my fingertips on my computer. All of us can do this, by the way. You don't have to go to seminary. Hope in Greek and the poor Gentiles that had to try to understand what Paul was talking about in terms of hope. Paul had to say it in a bunch of different ways in order for them to really catch what the this word means, well, I hope this, the clock will stop because I'm not finished yet. Well, I, I, I just hope things are going to go well with our kids over there, particularly those grandkids. Did we really train our kids to take care of our grandkids? Well, we're not there. 
Oh, I hope it's not going to rain today. Well, I hope we have a, a good summer. It's not too hot. I hope she likes me. And I hope, and I hope, and I hope. And that's what Western English sense is. Now, what hope in the Jewish aspect is, the way they looked at it, it was not in wishful thinking. It was in the sense of our God is so great. He is so wonderful. He is so much of a covenant-keeping God that we have this sense. It's all, all is well. Not everything's good, but we can look on and say, like Abraham, who was childless until he was a hundred years old, and he hoped in God, that God would have a way. And through one foible of his, his wife suggesting something that was really out of the plan of God, but I think that it was because of God's redeeming person that maybe even that was in his plan. And Ishmael was born. And we're seeing the effects of this on our internet screens of news and the TVs and understanding where all this mess came from. But nonetheless, God is bigger than the situations we're facing in the world today. That's the idea of what Abraham had as faith. He was hoping. He was hoping in a God who would keep his promises and had never failed. Okay, we're going to blast through the last point. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. This word poured is got a deep meaning. It means to pour. We understand that, don't we? But you know, God's love is like oil. God's love is like water. God's love is like the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. That's what Paul was saying. And with the love of God, he's a God of promise, he's a God of love. And because of his promise and because of his love, he hung his son on a cross for us and took the hit for us. That is Christianity. That is believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Given. In other words, you can have the Holy Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit. You can take him into your life. Just by 
confessing Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And you become a creature of another world. The spiritual world. And so we as Christians are living here on earth, both in our flesh, in the trials and tribulations that we have, but inside of us has been given the Holy Spirit. And he is a gift to us to, to enable us to live the Christian life with all that comes against us. It's been poured out for us. And because of that, we have hope that does not disappoint. We're going to go into our uh, communion time now of uh, reenacting the shedding of blood and the eating of Jesus' flesh of taking to ourselves Jesus Christ and his flesh in the symbolism of the bread. He's our peace offering. He's the one who is given himself, lived as we would or should have lived and couldn't, and couldn't even try to. And he did it for us on the basis of grace to us. And we demonstrate that with the bread and with the grape juice.